Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Sports Radio Network. News update. In baseball, according to Jeff Passan, Major League Baseball has offered to eliminate the implementation of a pitch clock until at least 2022 as part of a wide-ranging proposal delivered on Tuesday to the MLB Players Association. Among the items in the league's proposal, the ability to implement a three-batter minimum and change roster sizes in 2020, a single July 31st trade deadline, shorter inning breaks, fewer mound visits, limits on position players pitching. The Rockies have signed third baseman Nolan Arenado to an eight-year, $260 million contract extension. The agreement was first reported early Tuesday morning, made official by the Rockies several hours later. The Colonels have signed right-handed pitcher Miles Michaelis to a four-year, $68 million contract extension. In the NBA, Joel Embiid will not play on Thursday against the Thunder. Embiid has yet to be reevaluated for his lower left knee, but that is expected to happen in the coming days. Bobin Marjanovic will also not be available for the 76ers. I'm Dan Trafford, and this has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update. Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. It's college basketball season, and the Monmouth Park Sportsbook by William Hill is your best bet to watch and wager on all the games leading up to the big tournament. Watch every minute of action on our 75-foot HD video wall. Wager on props, parlays, over-unders, and much more. Go to monmouthpark.com for news updates and handicapping. Excludes New Jersey college teams and college events taking place in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you new to Daily Fantasy? Are you a veteran? Either way, you can better your chances of winning money, and lots of it, by going to DailyRoto.com. Multiple people have become millionaires thanks to the guys at Daily Roto. Why not take advice from the experts? You can become a millionaire, too. Just go to DailyRoto.com to rock Daily Fantasy Sports. Are you, or someone you love, one of the nearly one million Americans living with Parkinson's disease? There is no known cure, but you have the power to help change that by participating in a clinical trial. The Michael J. Fox Foundation will help get you started. Visit michaeljfox.org forward slash participant pack to download the new Parkinson's trial participant pack. It's free and available right now. That's michaeljfox.org forward slash participant pack. Visit today. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance card. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronas, Francisco Lindor is taking ground balls on his knees. I think that's what I'd be doing if I was playing for the Indians right now. Yeah, definitely. People concerned about Lindor. He's been falling in drafts, and uh, at least he's out there taking ground balls. So uh, we'll we'll find out if he's going to be a value because a lot of people passing on him in the first round. Yeah, I would. Th- so w- let's say you're drafting tonight. You have picked ten or eleven. You take in Lindor. You're going to let him go past you. I'm going to let him go past just because I think in that range there's a lot of good players and. Why take the risk of someone that you know already has an existing injury 
We saw how the calf really plagued Josh Donaldson last year. And I know Donaldson is an older guy and Lindor's younger, but a lot of his value is tied to stolen bases. So I just feel in that area, I'll take the safe route and go with someone else. I'm going to get very technical here with your onus. Calf muscle, want to always make sure those are warm, heated. Where does this guy play? Cleveland could be cold the first couple of weeks of the season. I would much rather this guy be playing in a, in a dome stadium or somewhere warm. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. What if it's 50 degrees the first couple of weeks? That 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 calf tightens up. I, I know people don't aren't thinking about that, but I know I am. So especially if you're worried about his speed, I think you could see a tremendous reduction in his speed. I would say maybe a third of the stolen bases this year. And that wouldn't be good. The one thing that does help is, to me, shortstop is a deep position, and you know going into the season, okay, I could be without this guy for a couple weeks or his stolen bases will be diminished early on. So you know that at least going into the draft that you can make that up as opposed to three weeks into the season, he gets hit with this, and now you're like looking at the waiver wire, and depending on the depth of the league, you might not be able to replace him, at least at this point you know going in that there is some risk there. So that's the one positive about it. Uh, but I just, uh, with my first-round pick, I don't want to take someone going into the season knowing they have an injury. You know, what if he tries to rush back and aggravates it and then now has to miss an extended period of time? So there's just so many good players in that range that I don't feel the need to risk it at that point. That's actually a really great comment. I, I like the fact that if somebody gets injured, I want to know about it well in advance so I can deal with it. Because once I draft him, like, I mean, Glenn Colton took him at number three in FSTA. Nothing you can do now, right? His whole draft is skewed. But had we known about it before the draft started, obviously he wouldn't have done that. So I think the more information we have prior to our draft days, the better. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, at least now you have a contingency plan. So when you're in the later rounds of your draft, you go, okay, well, I'll plug this guy in while Lindor's out, move this guy to middle, and it shouldn't really hurt me as much. So you at least have a plan of attack going in uh, if you do select Lindor, whether it's late first or early second round. All right, let me uh, – Sho Shohei Otani, not going to pitch again th th this year for sure, going to pitch again probably in 2020, uh, could miss certainly the first month of the season, maybe even more. Would he be on your radar? Could you imagine drafting him at all? I don't think so. Uh, he would have to really fall far. It also, I prefer him in a daily formats league because this way at least you can monitor the lineup and know when he's going to play or, or when he's going to sit. And, you know, I just don't know exactly what their plan is with him. The guy can hit, though. That's the one thing. You know, he was very impressive as a hitter last year. He had 22 homers in 114 games. He even stole 10 bases. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. If you prorate those numbers, but I don't see him playing every day. How much uh, do they devote to the rehab? So it's a very, very odd situation. Uh, I could see in a more, in a 12-team mixed league with daily moves, I might be more apt to do it because I could just maneuver him in and out of the lineup. In a deeper format, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, uh, and especially in a weekly format because there will be weeks maybe he plays two games, maybe he plays three. What are you going to do? You're going to put him in your lineup and then potentially have four or five days of getting no at-bats. So, uh, it's a real tough situation to really gauge, but the guy can flat-out hit. Well, let, let me ask you a question here. Let's say Otani plays two games a week, but let's argue that he gets one home run and three RBIs a week. 
Isn't that worth playing? No. One, R- one home run and three RBIs is not enough for you each week. But you can't count on that. He's not going to hit a home run every week. What if I t- well, how many weeks of the season? Uh, 20 something? 26? 24, 25. Okay, so what if he hit one home run a week and three RBIs a week? That's not an unfair statement. 24, 25 home runs and 75 RBIs. Would you pl- bench him or would you play him if you knew? Only going to play twice a week. He's going to play Tuesdays and Saturdays and he's going to get one home run and three RBIs. Do you play him or not? You can't play a guy in a weekly league that's playing two games a week. Even if I gave you that production? Yeah. Okay, no, no, it's look because I think that's what you're looking at at a guy like that. I think when he comes back, you're looking at two to three games a week, but I think one or two of those games could be good. I think the guy could certainly jack out a home run here and there. I mean, the guy had, like you said, 12, over 20 last year. He's got great power. I, look, I, but my question in my head is, is it better to get a guy in there who's going to play four or five games a week who could hurt your team versus Otani who could help him help your team even in a limited role? Well, wherever you're drafting Otani, you're probably not getting a guy that's going to hurt you. I mean, could he bust? Yeah, but you can replace him. I mean, you're basically saying that you're taking a guy that's going to give you 320 at-bats and you're fine putting him in every single week. There's no way that's going to help you if you're playing in a competitive league and especially if you're competing for an overall championship. You're basically penciling in 326 at-bats to the utility spot. Is that something you want? That's not going to work. No, I'm trying to see here. Did... He didn't go in your league yet, did he? No. I don't know. If that, I think he went in my league. I just don't remember where he went. But what round would you take him in? Uh, it, it, it had to be a daily format. If it's a weekly, I'm not going to take him, I don't think. You're just going to avoid it? Yeah, it's just I, I don't know what the plan is with him. That's the problem. I think the problem is the Angels don't know the plan with him. They didn't know the plan with him with pitching. It, it, they just haven't had a, a design plan that I've ever been comfortable with. Well, they're going to pitch every six days. It just seemed very haphazard to me. I, I mean, what was wrong with what they did last year? I don't know. It just seemed like, what, did you know the days he was going to hit and the days he was going to pitch when the week started? Did you know? I mean, he was did basically you feel like pitching you... once a week. I guess so. I guess so. I, just always, I always felt like I didn't really know what was happening with him. But I knew it was good. I just didn't know exactly what it was. Yeah, no, he was really good last year, especially with the bat. And I think a lot of people did not expect that. There were scouts in the spring who said, this guy's not going to make it. He looked bad. And he completely proved them wrong. Yeah, I hate. You know, people underestimate Japanese players all the time. Just because one or two Japanese guys may not be, maybe uh, Nishioka, doesn't mean that uh, they're, they're not a Chiro. You know what I mean? Like, just because one or two guys are bad doesn't mean they're all bad. I, I th- this guy was one of the greatest players in Japanese history before he came over. Yeah, he came over with a high pedigree, and uh, he lived up to it, too. Um, unfortunately, had to have a Tommy John surgery. It sucks because he would have been a very fun player to watch, and he would have made the fantasy game very interesting, too, with his ability to hit and pitch. You may, I don't know. I'm just going to throw this out here. I would argue that Ichiro Suzuki is one of the 20 greatest hitters of all time. I mean, pure hitter, he's pure hitter. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah, and there's a lot of reports that he would crush in BP and he could hit home runs if he wants to, but yeah. uh, he obviously didn't need to do that. And he will be playing in Japan on March 20th for two games with Seattle. Yeah, which is awesome. And I, I, by the way, those reports are true. Achiro could hit a home run whenever he wanted to. He chose not to. He was a gap hitter. He was a singles hitter. He hit 340. But I think if he wanted to hit 280 and hit 40 home runs, I think he could have changed his cannon from the outfield and he was fast he may be honestly 20 may be too low for him he may be in the top 10 players i've ever seen
No, he was very good uh, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, career 311 hitter. And, yeah, didn't show big-time power, but stole a lot of bases, hit a top the order several 100-run seasons. So uh, definitely was a, a very good player. Finished was, with a, a 402 slugging percentage, too, for his career. Yeah, pretty crazy. There was some YouTube video that I saw where Pedro Martinez met Ichiro for the first time. And, you know, Pedro's limited Spanish and Ichiro's limited, uh, Pedro's limited English and Ichiro's limited Spanish. It was pretty interesting. But they were just, thought, like, very complimentary of each other. It was, it, was, it was pretty cool. All right. I don't know if you saw. I'm sure you did because you're Adam Ronis. Josh James dealing with a quad injury. He is now out of the Houston pitching rotation. Uh, looking like it's a bullpen spot for him. Um, Matt Modica, Vlad Sedler have all said, please, everybody in my league, don't draft James. Let me do it. I still like him. What say you? Yeah, I mean, it's going to push the price down. I mean, I think in one of the great fantasy baseball invitational leagues, he went around 12 before this news. So I think there was probably a little bit too much hype on him. Uh, He's a good pitcher, and I know I took him in an early draft Champions League. I don't remember where. But, yeah, if it's going to depress the price, because we know there's going to be injuries to the pitching staff, and he'll find his way into the rotation, I would think, at some point. You know, people forget with Houston last year, uh, I don't think – one, any one of their starting pitchers uh, landed on the DL. I know Morton might have missed some time late in the year. I don't remember if he landed on the DL. If so, he was like the only one. Cole stayed healthy. Verlander stayed healthy. So they didn't really have to go to many starters, uh, unlike many other teams. Obviously, that's a trend that's going to be difficult to continue into this season. So uh, I think you could still see him in the starting rotation at some point this year. Now, what about guys like Forrest Whitley? He literally was the last selection in the Beat Dr. Roto League. He went around 20. Somebody just took Forrest Whitley. But you're, you're looking at a team there with Verlander, Cole, McHugh, Miley, Peacock, Framber, Valdez. I mean, uh, we know Josh James now in the bullpen. Do you like Forrest Whitley this year? Yeah, I do. I mean, he'll, he's got to be up at some point, uh, and you know, he could give them a jolt down the stretch too. So, you know, you look at this rotation now, sure, there's a lot of names, but if this kid is crushing it in the minor leagues, uh, he'll be up, and there's a good chance that he gets into the starting rotation at some point. So that's kind of where you want to take the shot, right around those rounds. You know, that was the case last year with a guy like Walker Bueller, Jack Flaherty, and we saw the impact that they made. So a lot of times it looks like, well, there's nothing here. Injuries strike pretty quickly. What if Wade Miley is not that good? Uh, then there easily could be an opening if he's dominant. So you don't consider that a wasted pick? Because right now, you know, let's say in around 20, aren't you getting like you're fulfilling, obviously, your starting rotation, but you don't mind taking a Whitley, and even if he doesn't come up until June or July, you're okay with that? Yeah, I mean, that's where you're going to have to take the shot. You know he's going to go. Uh, you know, I did it last year with Walker Bueller. It was a little bit later than that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it could not work out. Maybe they got, We saw it last year. There were some guys drafted late that never came up. Um, you know, I took Willie Calhoun in Towers, I think, round 15 or 16. And, obviously, that turned out to be a terrible pick because he didn't do anything and barely played. So, I held on to him probably for about half the season and uh, had to, to cut him at some point. So, yeah, all of these are not going to pan out. But, what you're looking for is someone who could be a difference maker. Uh, Juan Soto was the guy last year, even though no one thought he would be up, and people emptied the fab budget. So what you want to do is try and have that player on your roster if you can. You can't take four of these guys. It doesn't work, especially in a deeper format, because you're wasting roster space. Maybe one or two 
players like that, you can take a shot. But don't do don't have him and Tatis and all these guys because you're going to get injuries in the first couple of weeks. You're going to want to try and get the closer that becomes the hot commodity off the waiver wire the first couple of weeks. So you just can't litter your roster with these players. It's not going to work. All right, you mentioned Willie Calhoun. Uh, Shin Su Chu dealing with a shoulder inflammation, shoulder injury. Uh, Willie Calhoun has been a monumental disappointment. I mean, I had him this la- last year, and I refused to cut him, Adam. I refused to cut Willie Calhoun because I thought that eventually he would hit because the numbers in the in minors were so good that I'm like, there's no way I'm getting rid of this guy. And he was a dog with fleas. I mean, really, really bad. When are you willing to invest in Willie Calhoun this year, and what round would you do it in? Yeah, it has to be very late, though. Uh, again, kind of reserve rounds. Uh, I'm trying to remember what round I took him in. I don't know, it'd probably be like 28, 29, uh, based on right now, because I don't really see a spot for him to play. Uh, he is in better shape. He said he feels better, and he, he can move better, and his teammates are saying the same thing. So, obviously, if Chu does start the year on the DL – or miss his time, that would open it up. I think Calhoun would be the DH then because obviously they're very concerned about his defense. And Chu is uh, 36 years old, uh, and he's still good. But, you know, if he has any type of injury, that will open up for Calhoun. So uh, right now it would be very late in the reserve rounds, but, you know, it could push up a couple rounds if Chu needs to miss time. But we're kind of far away from that at this point. We're still a month away from the season. Do you think Joey Gallo ends up playing in left field and Ronald Guzman as the first baseman, or do you think that Gallo ends up playing first base and Calhoun plays left? No, I think right now Guzman at first, Gallo in left. Is Guzman worth drafting? Uh, not for me. I mean, there's just he doesn't have elite power. Nothing really stands out, so uh, he's not someone that I've been taking. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Fernando Tatis Jr. rips a home run. Austin Hedges jacks a home run. Let's talk about Tatis. What round would you take him in in a draft? Uh, probably tw- in the t- or start thinking about him around the twentieth. Trying to see if he's gone in my uh, in my beat Doctor Roto league. I don't think he's gone yet. I'm right right around twenty. Let me see. You would I say would that. think about him. I don't know if I would. I mean, the problem is, like, I, I, right now, where is he playing? He's unless available U- in my league. Unless Urias really struggles and Tatis tears it up and they decide to bring him up. The one thing, though, I'm starting to feel more optimistic about, I think the Padres are going to be aggressive. I think by bringing in Machado, I think this team is going to— They're not waiting. They're not waiting, right? Yeah, I think they might, you know, call up some of the young players a little bit quicker than maybe before, and they say, you know what, let's just, you know, go for it. So if Tatis is down there— tearing it up uh, i could see him coming up but i think he's a guy that probably wait till june quick question what about francisco mejia do they play him or do they play austin hedges i think hedges gets the edge because of the defense yeah i do too i, I like mejia's back though yeah i just i don't think he's gonna get much of an opportunity to play right now That's a good point. All right, we'll talk more fantasy baseball in our third segment. When we return, Jeff Bergerson, Fantasy Golf Insights. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter Promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. 
Dr. Roto back here. Uh, can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 fantasy football package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 fantasy football package only at rotoexperts.com. Jeff Burgesson, are you with me, my man? All right, so we'll be getting Jeff back here. I apologize. I can't really hear very well, but uh, I think we're back here. Uh, we'll get Jeff on in just a moment. But uh, this week, it's the Honda Classic, and this is one of the toughest uh, courses that uh, the PGA players will face during the year. There's a, especially a three-hole thing. I call it the bear trap that is very, very difficult. So normally when you see uh, golf scores where it's like minus 20, you know, minus 15, I don't think that you're going to see that this week. You're going to see a very low-scoring tournament where guys are barely going even. Uh, there's something with maybe... Um, you know, minus two, minus three, something like that. So, you know, it's that's what we're looking at. So this week, you want to look at guys for bogey avoidance, right? Guys who are not going to get a lot of bogeys. There's not going to be a ton of birdies, right? There's not a, not a ton of birdies. Um, there's just going to be guys that, you know, safe players might help out a lot this week. So that's unusual for, for most tournaments because in most tournaments you're looking for guys who are big scorers. But here you want a guy who's not going to hurt you. Um, do we have Jeff back yet? All right. Hopefully we'll come soon. So, all right. So in, on DraftKings numbers, Justin Thomas is going to cost 11900 this week. And uh, he won this tournament last year. I tend to avoid guys who've won last year's tournament. Uh, not, that, not that Justin Thomas is not a great player. He's a fantastic player, right? He's a super player. But I worry that, you know, guys, Thomas has also been very hot recently. Is this a week that he slows down? I'm not sure. The problem when you draft Justin Thomas is that he is going to skew your lineup into a Stars and Scrubs type lineup because he is very expensive. So you're paying a full premium on him, right? So... You know, eleven nine is is a, is a big is a big price tag, so you got to be very careful there. Uh, Ricky Fowler is eleven thousand two hundred on DraftKings. I'm going to pull the fade on Ricky. Um, I don't know why. I know he's won this tournament in the past. Um, you know, he's won this in 2017. I don't know. I think I'm fading him this week. Love to see what Jeff has to say about that. If Jeff says that hey, I should Doc, play how him, are you? well, Jeff will know. Jeff, do I want to play Ricky Fowler this week? Well, originally, I had thought it would be a decent fade, but your opinion is much the same of just about everybody else's that I've heard. So it's kind of tempting if we're going to get, you know, 10% ownership on Ricky Fowler this week to, to jump in. I know. I, I feel like he's such a great player. Maybe I shouldn't be getting off him, but at that price... Man, he better be winning this tournament, Jeff. Otherwise, I'm paying a lot of money. I feel the same way about Justin Thomas. I've got maybe about a dozen teams right now. I've got Thomas on three of them. Yeah, I think the popular play for most this week is going to be dropping down in that 9K range. And it's very intriguing. I mean, my core is going to, con you know, it's going to consist of a lot of Gary Woodland, Webb Simpson, Cam Smith, all very good players. You can have all three of them if you like, even like right below with Luke List. Uh, I have some Alex Noren this week. All that 9K range is, is loaded, but 
you know, Justin Thomas is clearly the best player in this field. And I don't even think it's that close, but it's golf. You know, anything can happen on any given week. And I think um, his ownership, the top price guy this year has not been that heavily owned, which is, you know, I've owned the top price guy most every week. So that's why I have Thomas in my core. But Ricky is awfully intriguing, though. He is. I mean, he's outside of last year. This guy has been spot on in this tournament. And I think this tournament more than most, Jeff, I want a guy who's played here before because this is one of the hardest, the hardest courses uh, that they, they'll face all season. I agree with you. Yeah, I think the winner here the last decade or so has had a top 15 finish in a previous year's tournament. So experience does help quite a bit at this tournament. There, like you mentioned before, there's a ton of trouble. And it's just all about uh, whoever can avoid that trouble the most because a couple of blow-up holes is going to cost you the tournament here. The cut line is going to be probably on the positive side of par, and the winner is you know, going to probably be in single digits. Maybe, maybe if there's no wind, it might be higher scoring like it was at Riviera. But, yeah, it's a tough course. All right, guys that I'm intrigued by, I'm intrigued by Adam Scott. I'm always intrigued by Adam Scott, but he's not the greatest putter, even though he's been putting better. I like Sergio Garcia. Uh, I like Gary Woodland, three guys who can play very well and win this tournament easily, but also three guys who occasionally could can implode. Are we all in on those three guys this week? I like Woodland the most of the three. He's less. Ex- he's the least expensive, and he's just a great player. You won't see a ton of drivers being used this week off from guys they're going to club down they're going to use three wood just because it's a shorter course and they want to avoid the trouble average driving distance will be probably around 280 which is a lot less than normal when these guys are using drivers and one of the best three wood players and, and guys who clubs down is gary woodland uh and he's played exceptional this season uh only the sony where he missed the or he missed the modified cut but it was kind of a bounce back week after he had a uh, hard loss where he took runner-up at Tournament of Champions, but I, I really like Gary Woodland this week. All right, Daniel Berger, I mean, pl- from the area, no, loves the Bermuda Greens, uh, was a T2 last week, totally started putting beautifully on Sunday. Do we like him? I don't own him this week. I haven't seen enough positive out of him yet. Yeah, he looked good last week in just a really, it was a bad field in Puerto Rico. Um, so, I'm, I don't have Daniel Berger. That seems like kind of a high price for him. I would rather have a Cam Smith, who we've seen play extremely well in really good fields, uh, for only $100 more. So, and he might actually be lesser owned. I think Cam Smith is kind of under the radar this week. A lot of people talking about Woodland and Webb, but uh, not too many about Cam Smith. All right, let me talk to you about a guy that I really hate. His name is Billy Horschel, because sometimes Billy Horschel sensational Jeff and then sometimes he's due to on a stick I just I have him in like maybe 45 50 percent of my lineups and it worries me should I be worried that's probably a little high yeah you might want to drop that down a little bit because he's going to be owned by maybe 15 percent of the field so if you want to be double the weight overweight you only have to be about 30 percent and that way if he does pull one of his blow-ups like he does on occasion you don't lose you know, the majority of your teams. Because you're just looking at his tournament history here. He's got two top eights in the last three years, or in the last four years, and two missed cuts. So uh, it's very much boomer bust. Decent GPP play, but I just don't think you need to expose yourself too much. Alex Noren is a very good golfer who's not playing very well right now. 
Is he a sneaky pick this week? Yeah, he crushed me last week, Doc. I had him. I had a shutout that had went in the $1,500 on DraftKings, and he was kind of the anchor on my team that brought it down. So he looked bad in all phases of the game last week, but he tends to play better in Florida. And if you look at his track record uh, and during the Florida swing, it's been very good the last two years. So we get on Bermuda where he's good, and I think he's going to come around. So no one's going to own him. Uh, I think you can own him at 15%. You'll be far overweight the field, I'm guessing. And uh, he's a good contrarian playoff, the, the bigger names around him. All right. I've seen a lot of love for Scott Piercy, but I was in on Scott Piercy earlier on, maybe in those Hawaii tournaments, and he let me down terribly. Do I want to get back on the bandwagon this week? Yeah, I'm a little mixed on him. I don't have a ton of exposure to Scott Piercy. He's coming. He's playing great, but you know what? He's a great desert golf player. He always has been. He's from Nevada. Yeah, whenever they play out there or in Southern California on the desert courses or, or Phoenix or whatever, he tends to play well. So we need to use. We need to take it in context where he has been playing well. That doesn't mean he can't play well here. He had a T17. He's a great ball striker. I'm just not as high on him as a lot of other people. All right, we're talking to Jeff Bergerson here from FantasyGolfInsider.com, the, the expert experts of, uh, in golf. Affy Barnrat, starting to play more on the PGA Tour, Jeff. Very good player. Was a T3 last week in a very tough tournament. Um, he played here once last year and was uh, barely made the cut. Do we like him this year? Um, I, I don't have much of a exposure to him. I think he's going to be rather popular because he looked sensational on Sunday in Mexico. His irons were just absolutely dialed in, especially at the end of the tournament when he had a lot of TV time. So I think people are going to see that and gravitate toward him. He's not generally that amazing. So an $8,200 price, we're paying for his great performance last week, but I'm not that high on, on him this week. All right, now, Jeff, I'm going to t- let you in on a little visionary knowledge here. I have Jimmy Walker's name circled multiple times. But when I look at how he's played recently, it's really bad. But when I have a guy circled, it tells me all of a sudden this weekend, he might do better than I think he is. Please talk me out of playing him. You talk me into, into why you like him. I just, he's done well at this tournament, and Jimmy Walker, when he before the Lyme disease, is a very good striker of the ball. Like he can win. He's what those guys that he's like seventy five hundred. But he, if he won this tournament, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I would be shocked. Uh, he, he's just been so bad, um, and and even during his prime, his the, his probably least good part of his game was his accuracy off the tee and and here that can really hurt you so as good as he has been the last few years those aren't great finishes for as good as his game was at honda so um i'm not on him i just and and that's not even that great of a price i think it's just the name value with him but i'm not sure that i i don't know if his game's ever going to be back to where it was which is really sad before the Lyme disease yeah, no, I worry about that. I don't know if he's ever going to be the same. Let me ask you about Jason Cockrock, who has just been on fire this year, but never really had a lot of success in this course. Why are people in on him? Can, it, can, some, can a golfer's ability just change all of a sudden? Is this just a great year for him? Because this guy really hasn't shown a ton here, but now people seem to be in on him. Yeah, I think it can change. Um, I'm not sure that it has changed for him. He's had a great stretch, but he's had a few great stretches throughout his career, and then he kind of comes crashing down to earth 
and, and becomes Jason Kokrak again. But, yeah, he's never played well here. He's going to be really popular this week. I was toying with the idea of having minimal exposure to him, but I'm not even sure I'm going to do that at this point just because how popular I think he might become. He has been playing well. If you look at him statistically, he's, he's doing just about everything well. So I wouldn't be against him if it weren't for the ownership. If he was owned at you know under 10%, I would probably own him. But at 20 possibly, I think I can fade him. All right, Jeff, let's get to that $7,000 range with guys who won't kill you, guys who might make the cut, avoid bogeys. I'm just going to throw out some names, Rory Sabatini, Jim Furyk, Stuart Sink, Nick Watney. Are we going to need to roster a couple of those guys in order to be successful this week? Yeah, probably. Jim Furyk, the Jim Furyk train, the hype train is really taken off this week. It's kind of crazy off of two made cuts in a row for him. He hasn't really played this course very often in his career. So that is a little bit scary to be on board a 20% on Jim Furyk. Uh, I would just assume um, own like uh, a Brian Gay, um, who's been playing better this year, more of an accuracy type player. And he's been playing well on courses that don't necessarily fit him this year. So I kind of like him. Um, who else do I like down here? I kind of like um, Scott Langley. He's at 6,800. He's another short off the tee guy, but short game's good. Putting's exceptional. He's been having a great year. He played really well at Pebble Beach a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I like him as well. And I also like Kevin Streelman down in this range as well, another accuracy player. Um, you're just kind of looking for guys who have this style of play, right, where on some other longer courses, they kind of get lapped by the bombers, right? But this this week, it's kind of neutralized. So I kind of like the accuracy players a lot this week. I've read a lot about Nick Watney. And what about Adam Schenk? Any love for any of those those two guys? Yeah, Schenk is a newer player on tour. I'm okay. I have some shares of him this week. And I also, you know, I'm just kind of mixing in some guys that absolutely nobody are going to own that I like their game for this course but they haven't been playing well or don't have any tournament history, like an Austin Cook. You know, very little form coming in, hasn't played here before, but he's got the kind of game that should do well here, and he might be owned by like 1% of the field. So if you own, you know, on a couple of teams, you're going to be overweight the field. Uh, another one is uh, Landry. I, I think his game fits uh, the course as well, and you don't really need to own a lot of these guys, just a little bit of exposure. Now, can those guys, if they make the cut, they, they help you. But if they, if you, can I still win money this week if I only get five out of six guys in, if I fail on Landry? Depends on the contest. If you're playing in like the big $5 with 100,000 entries, you need six of six. Uh, same with the $44. If you're playing in a, a smaller GPP, a single entry, which only has a few hundred guys, you could win with five of six, certainly. All right, Jeff, I never ask you this question. Give me the guy who's going to win and give me the guy who could win. Okay. Um, I'll give you Webb Simpson. Uh, he's at 22 to 1 as of right now. And the guy who could win, I think, is Russell Knox. Uh, he's at 7,800 on DK, but you could get him at probably 55 to 1 or something like that. Take a shot. Last week was so good, Doc, when we had, I had Rory and Reed coming down the stretch. Um, both those are the two guys we kind of talked about as far as outrights last week. And uh, I was able to hedge off Rory at the end, so that was good. But Reed also gave us a chance as well. 
You've been on fire with those guys. You pulled out Luke List. You pulled out Patrick Reed. You put out J.B. Holmes. I mean, I'm basically I'm going right now to the to the bookie and, and putting money on Russell Knox as you speak. Yeah, and, and if you do it right, you know you can bet on them and you get toward the end and they give you win equity, so you can always hedge out. Bet on the other guy if you if you stand to win a lot on, on a guy like I did last week with Rory. All right, before we let you go, give me one guy up top who you're fading. Uh, I can't do Brooks Kepka this week. I don't think uh, he's just he just looks unmotivated. His form has been bad, and he's never been really great at Honda. Uh, so I I won't be owning him or, or Adam Scott. Really, you're fading Adam Scott? I am. Yep. I just wow. yeah, I just I, he's done well here. I just am going JT, possibly Ricky up top, and then dropping down to the nine K range, and I just can't own everybody. So those two. I- All right. That's why I love him. Jeff Bergerson, Fantasy Golfing. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. I think we're back for Scout Fantasy Sport. Dr. Roto along with Adam Ronas. And remember, if you want to win your fantasy baseball leagues, go to scoutfantasysports.com, enter the promo code BATS50. That's BATS50. We'll give you 50% off your first two months. And then hopefully, Ronas, you could be my rich friend. Let's hope that's the case. Yeah, so, uh, okay. So uh, that was a good segment with Jeff. Did you get your golf notes down? Yeah, I got them all. He's fading Adam Scott. How do we fade the Adam? Can't do that. They, that doesn't work in my algorithm. I, that, is, that is insanity. I don't know. I have to talk to him about that. I've got to call him off air. All right. Did anything happen in the world of baseball or the world of uh, congressional hearings that I need to know about? You think I'm paying attention to congressional hearings? No. Do you, do you care about politics at all? No. I care about one thing about politics that's really divisive. It's never been yeah. it's never been worse in my entire life, Ronus, than it is right now. It's brutal. Yeah, I know. I try not to pay too much attention to it. I just feel it's uh, a lot of crap going on, so I'd rather not deal with it. Just deal with baseball, right? Yeah. Exactly. All right, do a little bit more baseball here. Uh, Matt Chapman's going to be making his debut. Uh, we talked about that. The Cards signed Matt Weeters to a minor league deal. You're Matt Weeters. You've been sitting out there waiting and waiting. Why the Cardinals? Do you think you can make a, a World Series run? You think Yad Molina is 100 years old and ready to retire? Why are you signing there? Probably didn't get many good offers. I mean, that's what we're seeing. I mean, look how many veterans are still out there that are more productive than a Matt Weider. So that's probably uh, the best offer he got and just figured, okay, well, um, you know, Cardinals are a very good team. And obviously Molina is their guy for sure. He is coming off some surgery and he is older. So maybe he thinks, okay, well, I can fill in and do well if Molina has to sit. But I'm guessing he just didn't get great offers and just figured, all right, time's running out. I want to get to camp and uh, this is the best. I'll just take it for now. All right, let me ask you about that. Would you take an offer that was less than you thought you were worth 
just because you were afraid of not playing during the season. So let's say like Bud Norris. I heard a good interview with him recently with your man Craig Mish. And Bud's gotten some some contract offers, but he's not signing. You know, he doesn't want to sign for a value that, that's beneath him. Would you, let's say you're Bud's agent, you encourage him to sit out or you say, dude, I think it's about time you play? Uh, I think it depends on the offers. I'm sure he's probably has a couple. There's always people looking for bullpen arms, and he has shown the ability to close. So uh, it, you gauge the market, and then you tell him what you think is best, saying, hey, you might not get better than this. These are the three teams. Decide which one you want. I, I think it's a very slippery slope because I, I don't want my guys not playing. But I don't want my, I don't want to see I don't want to see a guy signed for seven hundred and fifty thousand when he really should be making two million. But I mean, isn't seven hundred and fifty thousand better than nothing? Because that's what he might get. Yeah, you have to kind of gauge the market and see what the demand is. And you know, the other thing you have to take into account if you are one of these relievers and you go to a bad team, you got to keep in mind there's always the possibility that you can get traded at the trade deadline to a team that's competing so I think you have to kind of look at it like that too I think that's what you see a lot of these teams do is they'll sign one of these bullpen arms with the plan to trade them at the trade deadline to a contender and at least get something back I mean and I and I get why they would do that I totally understand why they do that but if I'm the guy right and I, I think people don't think about this maybe he's married maybe he's got kids now all of a sudden you know he's at one team and now all of a sudden he's going to get he knows he knows if he signs with the with this team he's going to get traded that just messes your whole family situation up maybe you want to get with a team that's willing to give you a two-year deal so you don't have to move them i think it depends on where you are in your life and you know what your preference is for some people it might be important i remember brandon phillips when he was with the reds he didn't want to get traded at one point uh because he didn't want to move his family so uh you know and he was a veteran at the time so i think it all comes down to your individual circumstance how important is moving the family uh do they mind moving do they not want to so there's a lot of things that go into it it's a big mess and i'm very familiar with this because my friend who was uh, in that jeter circle was friends with a lot of those yankees and these guys struggle during the season, Ronas. You know, they're, they're great family men in the offseason, but they are not such great family men during the season. They're all over the place. They're at different hotels, a lot of crazy things going on. It, it, it's, it, it's like almost having a, uh, it's a duality, right? Two different people. Oh, for sure. It's uh, definitely a hectic lifestyle with a lot of traveling, and it's uh, not for everyone. So you have to know that going in. I think I would have my family based in one area. Right, I'd say you guys stay here. Kids go to school. Be be somewhere where you're happy, and I'll work around you. The problem is during a baseball season, you know, if my wife is in Florida and I'm playing for the Cardinals, when am I going to get home? How often am I going to get home to see them for those six months? Well, that's probably why the marriages last. Because <laughs> I'm not home to see Mrs. Exactly. Rodo. Exactly. Yeah. There's no drama. I mean, she's wondering. <laughs> where the hell you are when you're out at the strip club or out with the guys getting drinks. But, hey, that's uh, kind of part of the deal. That's why I never understand why, like, these athletes and their wives are, like, surprised when they cheat. Like, what did you expect? I mean, come on. The guy who works at 7-Eleven cheats on his wife. You think an athlete who is traveling around the country and has women throwing themselves at them at hotels, you think they're not going to get tempted? And I'm not saying they should, but you have to understand that when you marry an athlete or someone famous – you can't be surprised by this. Oh, my God. Really? Tristan Thompson treated on Khloe Kardashian? I'm stunned. I cannot believe it. I never expected that to happen. No, these women, uh, Ronis, these women know the hotels the guys stay at. They stalk them. And I, I, I trust me when I tell you this. I'm, these guys have 
honeys at all different cities where they know they're meeting them. It's, it's, you know, it's bad. I, look, if I'm the wife, I just don't think I can know because if I know, it's bad. Right. And I think, they, I think they're aware. They can't be that clueless to know that some of this stuff goes on. And that's the thing. It's like, why get married? That's what I don't understand. Does your girlfriend know about you? Because you're the famous Adam Ronas from the Fantasy no, Sports I don't, Radio I don't, I don't do anything wrong. Do you do anything right? Yes. Okay. Just checking. Is she listening? Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I, I do think that these are things that we don't often talk about because I think, you know, we're just looking at this guy's numbers. You know, uh, how's a strand rate? You know, uh, the but I think there are a lot of things that, that go into baseball. Baseball is a very hard sport and you people go through peaks and valleys. And I think guys, especially who get traded in the middle of the season, sometimes these trades pay off. And a lot of times these trades don't pay off for fantasy owners. Yeah, I mean, the problem is a lot of this stuff we don't know about. We find about, uh, out about it after. That's why, you know, it doesn't pay to speculate. We can look at the numbers and what the guy's track record is and go based on that. We just don't know what these guys are, are going through off the field. Oftentimes, we find it out afterwards. This guy going through a divorce and he had some personal things at home. And we usually don't get that stuff uh, beforehand, unfortunately. Right. No, that's true. We always hear about it after the, after the case. And we, we deal with that. All right. So let's talk um, a little bit about, uh, let's talk about um, Jorge Alfaro for a second. Alfaro gets traded, comes over to the Marlins, should have every opportunity to hit, to get 450 at bats, shows good power. But do we worry that his average is going to stink and that he won't be able to knock anybody in? Is he one of those catchers that you're willing to draft as a second catcher? Or would you rather have a guy on a better team who maybe gets fewer at-bats? I think a lot of the catchers in that range are kind of very similar. So I'll kind of take whoever is cheap and falls. Uh, I would have liked him better in Philly, but uh, he should play every day. That's the one good thing. With the Marlins, he'll play every day. And... I don't know where he's going to hit in the order yet. Maybe it's down low to start. Maybe if he hits, they move him up. Obviously, it's a tough ballpark. He does have some pop, but his plate discipline is terrible. He doesn't walk. He strikes out a ton. I mean, I th he, he does hit the ball hard when he makes contact. So, I mean, he's an okay number two catcher. I'm just not enthusiastic about most number two catchers. It's just a position where there's just a lot of question marks, and it's so bad this year. It's uh, I think we could say that a lot of years, but this year it's kind of one of the – worst positions uh and if you're in a 15 team league where you start two catchers it's uh it's not fun this year to pick from that bottom pool of the catchers all right yesterday you mentioned andrew heaney as a pitcher you like um he's been very um has underperformed the expectation right i think everybody thought he'd be much better than he's been what leads you to believe this year that he's going to turn it around he had a very good year last year uh you know i know the era was over four but he struck out a batter per uh, inning uh, he made 30 starts. Health has been a big factor with him. We know he had the pedigree coming up with the Marlins. And, uh, you know, the control was good. And, you know, the fact that he got 180 innings was big. The whip was 1.2. Uh, so, you know, I just think he's got a good skill set. And I think he could uh, take a step up this year. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, he's really not much of a – he's not – in the competitive leagues, he's really getting pushed up. So it's not like he's cheap anymore. Uh, but he threw a lot of first-pitch strikes last year. I think that was uh, one thing that we saw him improve in. Uh, I just like the skill set, and I think in the mid-rounds, where in most leagues you can get him, I think uh, he's a nice uh, value. Where are you with A.J. Pollock this year? I am an unabashed A.J. Pollock lover, 
But I just, you know, he just can't stay healthy, Ronas. But I, I think if he ever does, that we're looking at, a, you know, his 30, 25 home runs and 25 stolen bases out of the question. Can he do that in L.A.? Yeah, he came close last year. He had 21 homers, 13 steals, and 113 games. And uh, there's a lot of people who just will not draft him. I'm not one of them. I'll still take him in the eighth, ninth round. Uh, this is guy has shown before that he can return first-round value. And I know it was 2015, but this is a very good Dodgers team. He should hit leadoff. My one concern is they have just so many pieces, and there's a chance now that Bryce Harper comes to the Dodgers. So the Dodgers, if they're smart, uh, they might say, you know what, we want this guy to stay healthy for the postseason because they obviously have visions of a World Series. They might try and preserve him, and I could see them sitting him you know, a game or two a week, uh, which with the team they have is smart. Obviously, it will hurt fantasy owners, but – you know, he's had these fluke injuries. It's like a fractured elbow, a groin. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I took him last year in the fifth round of the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational and won. So now you were getting him three, four rounds cheaper. So I'll take the shot. I mean, the average is not great the last couple of years. Uh, it seems like he's kind of selling out for a little bit more power. He's been striking out a little bit more. But even with the injuries last year, he still had 13 steals. So uh, I still see you know the potential for 20 homers 15 steals if he did stay healthy for the whole year certainly 2020 is possible so yeah I'm still in on AJ Pollock just because the the price has been driven down and I think there's a lot of people who just cross him off their list they're automatically say oh he just gets hurt too much but we've seen it before guys are injury prone for a few years and then all of a sudden they go on this stretch where they don't get hurt anymore so I don't have to pay the price that I did in recent years so I'll absolutely take the shot on Pollock and he was on my radar in the great fantasy baseball invitational, but uh, I didn't get him. All right. I, I, you're, you're, you're probably not going to agree with this comment because Bryce Harper is Bryce Harper, and I get it. Okay? Bryce Harper is a star. I get it. But Alex Verdugo is a pretty darn good young prospect. And if I'm the Dodgers, if I bring in Harper, I've got Pollock. i got to play Bellinger in the outfield because I can't sit Max Muncy. And now I'm, I'm impeding Verdugo. I guess I do that because it's Harper and I don't ever pass on a Harper. But in general, I don't like seeing young prospects get impeded upon because now I don't know what to do with this guy except trade him. What's wrong with that? I mean, they're going for it. Money's not an issue. I mean, yeah, Harper Harper has not lived up to lofty expectations. That's the thing is people expected Harper to be one of the best players in baseball, and he's been very inconsistent. But you're going to not sign him because of Verdugo? They have the money. Money's not an issue with them. No, but I'm saying is I think Verdugo has, an, has enough possibilities there that I don't need to sign Harper and I can sign something else. What? What are you going to sign? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know whether Harper's a need. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that. Maybe, maybe Harper's not a need. If they can get him. And it looks like- no, look, like I said that if you get him, you get him because he's Bryce Harper. But, I mean, did you wake up this morning saying, you know, the Dodgers need an outfielder? No, but if he's there for the taking and no one else is going to sign him because it seems like he doesn't want to go to Philly, I don't know why he would go to San Francisco. I know they're still talking to him. The only way you go there is if they're offering way more guaranteed money and that's what you want. But that's not a team that is close to winning right now. Uh, the Dodgers are. And, you know, that's a a really good lineup, and that's a team that's close. I mean, they've been there. So, uh, obviously, Clint Kershaw is a big question mark for them right now, but they have depth in the starting rotation. Uh, you get Harper and you put him in this lineup, I mean, that's that's a ridiculous lineup. They get Corey Seager back. You add Pollock. Turner's a beast. 
Bellinger. I mean, this team is just loaded. You add Harper to it, I mean, it's a sick lineup. No, no, I, I agree with that, and I think that's why you do it. I, I'm looking at the Giants here. This team is terrible, Adam. This team really is bad. Yeah, no, I know. They're, they're in big trouble. That's why uh, I don't know why um, they're... Harper wouldn't be enough. You'd need three Harpers. And then and then in this in that division, Dodgers are still better than you. The Padres are, are better than you. I, I mean, even if you added Harper, you still suck. Yeah, it's not enough. They had a team that you know went out, got some veterans, spent some money, but it's not good players with Longoria there and Posey's on the downside. Belt's a very good player that can't stay healthy and is hurt by that ballpark. And the pitching just has a lot of question marks, too. I think this team needs Keuchel, Kimbrell, and Harper, and then maybe, and then maybe they'd have a shot. I mean, they added Gerardo Parra to this roster. I mean, he's he might be the best outfielder. Yeah, which which is not saying much. I mean, the outfield right now looks like Williamson, Parra, and Duggar. It's uh, not great. How about Cameron Mabin? I think he's probably a fourth outfielder. I mean, then he could potentially start. I mean, it's so bad that maybe he can. I know that's what's. I mean, this team is terrible. I mean, I don't. When they traded for Lungor, I knew it was all over because that guy, that, that, you're never winning with him. I mean, he's good, but he's not great. And you spent a lot of money and you just added a guy who's not a difference maker. Just not oh, a yeah, difference they paid maker. Way, way too much for him and uh, 33 years old. You're paying for the downside of his career. Right. What, so, speaking of that, Madison Bumgardner, 29 years old, pitched a whole lot of innings, right? A whole lot of innings, maybe not in the last couple of years, but prior to that. Is he a guy that you have interest in, or do you think you let somebody else have him? No, uh, he was another guy that fell big time in, the, in our Fantasy Baseball Invitational League. Pretty much everyone passed on him. He didn't go until the 10th round, so I had an opportunity and take him around 10, and I passed on him. I just don't think he's the same pitcher. I don't know if it's the dirt bike incident that really hurt the shoulder, but he's not a guy that's ever thrown hard, but he got hit hard last year. Uh, the, the surface numbers don't show up, but I watched quite a few of his starts because I had him on a couple of teams that I was hoping to make a run with, and he just didn't look the same. Would I be surprised if he bounced back? No, but I didn't like what I saw last year, so uh, I'll be passing on him. And it yeah. seems like most people fell that way in this draft too. Uh, I've got about a minute to go here, Adam. Tell me who's coming up in hour number two. Uh, we have Clay Link from Rotowire. He was the overall winner in the Crate Fantasy Baseball Invitational. We are picking next to each other. I have picked 12. He has picked 13. So we're going to talk about uh, how difficult this draft has been. We'll get his thoughts on how he built his team. I know he sniped me a couple times. We'll see how many times I sniped him. What round, what draft, what, uh, what round are you on that? 12. Mm, interesting. All right, guys. This is Dr. Roto saying be well and take care. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for Adam. <laughs> Why do I always do that? Hour number two with Adam Ronas. All right. And Clay Link will be there. Great two baseball minds there for you. And remember, go to Scout Fantasy Sports, Bats 50. That's Bats 5-0. And you will get 50% off your first two months with us. And come let us help you Join win a fantasy football live championship. on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network.